Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Happy Resurrection Sunday, Freedom Church! Man, he's alive, man! Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Jesus is alive! Come on, somebody! Man, do you realize that people today from Seoul, Korea to Sao Paulo, Brazil will gather to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive? And I'm so thankful that you've chosen to celebrate that with, uh, celebrate Easter with us this morning. And if you're new to Freedom Church, I just want to give you a little warning. I know I'm not on Ritalin. I'm just excited about Jesus and what he's done in my life and how he has changed my life. Forever. You know, people get excited for everything, just like people get excited for the Super Bowl or the NBA playoffs, or people get excited they're getting ready to buy a new house or finding out they're going to have a new baby. We're excited about the fact that Jesus rose again. Jesus said it like this in his own words in Revelation 1:17. He said this: Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one. He says, I was dead, but now look, he says, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. So here's a spoiler alert for my message. Jesus wins. Everything works out at the end. And it's crazy to think how Jesus won and conquered death and changed everything for us that first Easter. Have you ever thought it's crazy how one moment can change our lives and how we live forever? Think about the things that have changed how we live over history. It was not too long ago that people were still riding horses and donkeys from one place to another. Literally for centuries and thousands and thousands of years, people traveled in horses and donkeys and and buggies. It wasn't until 1886 that a man by the name of Carl Benz invented the first automobile powered by gasoline. But only the wealthiest people could afford it. Then Henry Ford had the bright idea that I'm going to put vehicles in the hands of every man. The common man should should be able to afford a vehicle. So he created Ford Motor Company. So you can blame Henry Ford for the mess that we have in I-35 going to work every day. So let me ask you a question. Would you rather ride a donkey to work or would you rather deal with I-35 traffic? I don't know. Donkey? How many guys say I'd rather ride a donkey? Man, if you're a parent... Imagine what life was like, especially for your young parent, before a disposable diaper. Really, it wasn't until the 1940s that Marion Donovan invented the disposable diaper. Can you imagine cleaning and disposing of reusing those diapers over and over again? It would be horrible. But think about this. How was life before soft, double-ply toilet paper? Life without toilet paper was literally rough. (laughs) Toilet paper was invented in 1857 by a man by the name of Joseph Gaiety. Before toilet paper, people used leaves, grass, corn husks, rocks, sand, water, and, and most commonly, some people use their hands, say, not me, not me. Only wealthy people could afford to use wool and lace. But my favorite life-changing invention ever for every manly man is duct tape. How many of you guys love duct tape? 
Duct tape was invented in World War II by the military. And duct tape can fix everything, especially if you're not handy like myself. People have used duct tape to fix their cars, like this guy right here. You can even use duct tape for house repairs. This person used duct tape to do a bathroom renovation. Don't you love that? One person even used it for street repair. How about this? But my personal favorite and most creative use for duct tape that I saw was a babysitter who used it to make this kid stay in place during time out. Yes. But here's what I'm telling you. What happened 2,000 years ago on the cross when Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave and he rose from the dead, it gave us victory in this life and the life to come, and it changed everything. And let me tell you, it wasn't just a temporary fix. It wasn't just kind of this weak fix like duct tape, but it was an eternal fix that brought restoration and newness to every part of our life. And this morning, this is the message of Easter I want to share with you. The love of Jesus can change your life story. I want to share with you a story in John 11 where Jesus flipped the script of what seemed to be a hopeless situation and he changed everything. So if you have your Bible, let's read in John chapter 11. You can follow along the screens and it says this. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus. Verse 3 says this. So his sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Remember, we've been going through the book of 1 John for those of you that have been coming to Freedom Church the last couple weeks. And John always put emphasis on the love of God and how much God loved us. And he says this, so the sister sent him saying, Lord, he, whom you love is ill. And this wasn't just the sniffles or the headache. This was a deathly sick disease. Jesus says to the disciples in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And here's what I want you to learn this morning, Freedom Church, that your story is part of a bigger story of God's glory. That God wants to take the mess of your life and turn it into a message of hope for others. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going to take my friend's story of disease, I'm going to take his story of sickness and death and hopelessness and turn it into a story of healing and life and hope. And this is good news. If you're in a place in your life where you like would want a do-over in life, guess what? Jesus can give you a do-over. He can flip the script and he can rewrite your story. And our story, Lazarus is sick. After hearing this, Jesus waits for two days before he heads to his friend's house. And when he gets there, he's greeted with horrible news. Verse 17 says this. Then Jesus came and he found out that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. The worst has happened. His friend is gone. If you've experienced death of a loved one, nothing can describe the pain. I'll never forget the first time I lost someone I truly loved. It was my Grandpa D. You can see a picture of me and my Grandpa D hanging out right there. Yep, that was me way back in the day. Grandpa D was like a second dad to me. We grew up right next to each other. His house was right next to mine. I saw him every day of my life until I went to college. We were really close. Grandpa D was a carpenter. He could build everything. He was always building me street houses and all kinds of projects. He always was showering with, with just a, attention and love as a young kid. And I love staying at Grandpa D's house because my mom put me to bed at 8 o'clock. I went to Grandpa's house. I could stay up as late as I want. I could eat cookies and ice cream. And he let me watch Saturday Night Live. My parents didn't let me watch Saturday Night Live. 
But when I went to Grandpa's, I could watch Saturday Night Live, and there was Saturday. Remember Saturday Night Main Event Wrestlings for some of you guys? I want to watch Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and wrestling back in the day. My grandpa took me fishing and on vacation, and he and my grandma bought me my first car. But I remember one day as I had moved to Dallas to be a youth pastor, getting a call from my mom telling me that grandpa was sick and that he was asking for his golden girls. That's what he called Jennifer, Alana, and Nevea. He called them his golden girls. He loved his girls. See, we were nothing but boys, but finally we had some girls. We drove 12 hours through the night when I got that call to see my grandpa in New Mexico. The next morning, we got up to, and we loaded the car with grandma, and the girls were so excited. I still remember Alana had this beautiful spring dress on with some jelly shoes, and she said, we're going to go see grandpa. She was singing, I'm going to see grandpa. I'm going to see grandpa. We got down. She's twirling around. I can't wait to see grandpa. I can't wait to see grandpa. We're all excited. I hadn't seen grandpa in a long time, and we're going down there. Excitement is filling the room. And as we're walking down the highway, hallway, the nurse stops us. And it was one of those moments where I knew this was a pretty serious conversation. Suddenly, she called us into her room. And when we were in that room, she told us that my grandpa had died just an hour earlier. I thought to myself, if I'd just gone up earlier, I was tired, but if I, I could have just been there, if I could have just seen him, if it, maybe it could have changed something. And I remember my grandma hearing the news. She just started bawling uncontrollably, grabbing a hold of me, weeping for the man that she had been with for the last 55 years. When you get news like that, if you've ever got news like that, it sucks the, it sucks the life out of you. The room starts spinning, time stands still. Death is so cruel, it's so harsh, it's so painful, it's so final. And this is where Mary and Martha find themselves. Their kid brother that they love is dead with no hope. And look at what Martha tells Jesus in verse 21. He walks into this situation and he asks Jesus, I think what a lot of us would ask him, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever felt like that? Like God was too late, like God didn't care, like God was so nonchalant that he took forever to move in your situation. God, if you care, why is this happening to me? Why did I lose my job? I'm praying, God, why did my parents get divorced? Why did I experience that divorce? Why did my son die? Why did my daughter die? Why did my parents die? God, why did you allow the abuse to happen? Why? In the mess of the world, have you ever had that, Lord? If, if you're really out there... If you really care for me, why did this happen? I prayed. I believed in you. And you didn't come through. And I love what Jesus does. We all want an explanation, don't we? I'm sure if we had our moment with Jesus, we would all want an explanation of so many heartbreaking moments in our lives. But notice, Jesus doesn't give her an explanation. Instead of an explanation, he gives her something way better. He gives her a deeper revelation of who he truly is. He says this. He gives her a promise. He says, your brother will rise again. And he said to her, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And here's what Jesus is teaching her. When your life story isn't fair, God is always good. Here's what I know. Life isn't fair. For every one of us, we've had things happen. Illnesses happen, circumstances in our lives happen. We're like, where is God? Let me tell you what happened. When sin entered the world, it broke everything. 
It introduced death into everything. From the weather to our bodies, everything is broken. The weather is broken. That's why we have tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis. Our bodies are breaking down. We're all headed towards death. I'm at the age right now where I get up and I'm limping. And Jennifer asks, what happened? I have a sleeping injury now. How many of you guys are getting sleeping injuries? You know, you're old. Like, like I'm balding. If you look real closely, I had like two hairs that didn't get the email that everybody was moving into another neighborhood. My forehead has turned into a, not a five head, a six head at this point. And let me be honest, I'm not the only one with these struggles. There's dudes in this room, and I apologize, I'm not going to call you out, but you know who you are. You already have any hair on your head, but you have massive ear hair and nose hair. It's like you snorted a cat. It's not supposed to be this way, right? Our lives are constantly broken. Our bodies are broken. Sin broke everything, and sin brought death to Martha's brother, Lazarus. And Martha wants to know why aren't you here but instead Jesus gives her the gospel Jesus answers Martha's question in an amazing way instead of God why is this happening to you he says let me show you who I am I am resurrection and I am life and because Jesus rose again you can love again you can trust again you can live again you can believe again you can hope again and you can have a new life in him again because he is resurrection power Jesus tells Martha this, it's the Easter, Easter statement, whoever believes, underline that statement, in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then in verse 26, Martha is asked the Easter question by Jesus. It's a personal question. Do you believe this, Martha? It's hard to keep believing in the middle of loss, isn't it? Especially when you face loss after loss and disappointment after disappointment. As many of you know, I'm a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan. I try so hard to keep believing in the Dallas Cowboys, even though they've been in a constant losing streak for I don't know how long, uh, 27 years. I'm trying to keep hope, y'all. If you're a Buccaneers fan, all of a sudden you're alive again with hope because there's this guy, Tom Brady. He's so unlucky, man. Man, look at him. He missed the DNA jackpot. He looks like a supermodel, married a supermodel. He comes out of retirement, wins everything. Tom Brady shows up, and he starts winning Super Bowls. For those of you who don't know him, he's the best quarterback ever. He has more Super Bowl rings than fingers. He has seven. And somebody sent me this meme to encourage me. The only way to stop Tom Brady from getting another Super Bowl is this. That's harsh, even if it's true. And Jesus tells Martha this. Can you believe in the middle of your indescribable loss and pain? Can you believe even when things aren't looking the way you want them to look? Our belief pays the way for resurrection power because Jesus makes the resurrection, the Easter statement, I am the resurrection and the life. The Easter, this Easter Sunday, I believe Jesus is asking many of you the Easter question, do you believe? It's a personal question. It's not a question to your parents or your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife. It's a question that you need to answer. He says, do you believe this? Martha. Do you believe this, Vicky? Do you believe this, Anita? Do you believe this, Don? 
Do you believe that God can restore and redeem your life? Do you believe he loves you in the midst of loss and suffering? Do you believe that he wants to give you new life and eternal life? My friend Jules answered yes to the Easter question. And she experienced resurrection power in what seemed to be an impossible situation. And I want you to see her story this morning. As far back as I can remember, I was always exposed to child abuse. I just remember getting so pummeled by my dad that he would beat me and then leave to take a break. And I would just sit there shaking and trembling. I was probably seven or eight years old. And then he'd come back and he would destroy everything and then come back at me and then he'd leave and I have to clean it up. And you just sit there, I just sat on the bed waiting and praying. When was it gonna end? I had no idea. Each night he would come back crawling to my bedside crying and asking me to forgive him and said that I was worth more than gold. If I could please forgive him, he wouldn't be able to be okay unless I could forgive him. And I forgave him every single time. And as I got older, I started to get initiated into the cult that my dad was a part of. All of a sudden in ceremonies and in rooms in which I was being initiated and cut all over my body. Over time, I would work at Bank of America where I met my husband and he always caught my attention. Whenever I was struggling, he was there to make me laugh, literally just distract me. And it got to this point where my dad had uh, called a family meeting and I think he was tired by that point of me dating Q and not complying with his demands that I had this gut feeling it was going to be bad. It wasn't going to be good. I meet my dad and it was more of a threat to me to either leave my family or be disowned. I grew up taking care of being a caregiver to my youngest sister. She had a plethora of health problems and so I had to choose between someone I have taken care of since I was a child to the person that I was growing to love so much and I refused. I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to comply. And of course I, I just knocked out and I flew across the floor. And at that point, I think I was just like this, it's just over for me. Um, it was a freeway and I was going to jump off the freeway and just end it. And so this face just like appeared to me and told me, don't do it. And I was like, what do I have to stay for? There's nothing, there's no love. Like I saw my family betray me. Having this conversation with something that's not in front of you, I thought I was going crazy. And I was like, you can't accept this. Like there's no way he's ready to take me on like this burden, this broken person. And he's like, you have to give him the choice. Like I can't make that choice for him. So I said, okay. I went to sleep that night, waited for everybody to go to sleep, and then I snuck out with the clothes on my back. I left everything that I've ever known behind on a chance that Q would be that person. Over time, life just still had its challenges. We had kids, and I think realizing that there was still something more. I still was looking, thinking Q satisfied that part of me, but reading the scripture, I think Jesus became so real to me. I understood his love. I understood how he could be hurt, he could be crucified, he could be beaten and spat on, and he could still love you. Like, I understood that. I was like, this is the man I've been seeing. 
this is that voice that's been holding me along this whole time. He's more present than I ever thought. Now I, I recognize him every single day. Absolutely renewing my mind from a victim, captive mentality to Christ and what that means and discovering that. Like, I don't know what that end result's gonna look like, but it's not a victim anymore. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jules, for being brave enough to share your powerful story. God takes the mess of our broken lives and turns it into a message of his power and his love. And notice, Jesus asks Martha the Easter question before the miracle. Do you believe? Martha's belief in Jesus paved the way for what he did in her life. Let's read what happened in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved. Underline that word spirit and troubled the greek language deeply moved has this idea of deep anger i love the fact that jesus comes to lazarus tomb and he's ticked off he's like my buddy is dead everybody's crying this is so frustrating if it weren't for sin coming into the world this wouldn't happen this isn't the way it's supposed to be and what jesus is teaching us here that is he came to conquer death i love the fact that jesus doesn't accept death you can hear me. I'm here. Where have you laid him? He says. Come see, Lord. And they replied, verse 39, take away the stone. But Lord, look what Martha says. The sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad order and he has been there for four days. He says, my brother has a four-day funk. He takes off the shoes in the house. He, man, every, we all pass out. You don't want to mess with this guy. The King James translate says it, it's, it stinketh. I like the way it says this. Some of you ladies need to grab a hold of that for your vocabulary and say, your husband, your kids, when they walk in, you stinketh. Lazarus' body was smelling. It's decomposed. It's rotting. They didn't embalm bodies back then. And according to tradition, after the fourth day, the spirit would leave the body. So not only was he dead, but according to everybody around, he was dead, dead. But this is what I love. Jesus isn't afraid about the stink in our lives. He isn't afraid of the stinky addiction he isn't afraid of the stinky marriage he's not afraid of your stinky sick secret or the stinky upbringing or your depression jesus embraces the stink in our lives open it up then jesus said didn't i tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of god jesus cried in a loud voice lazarus come out and the dead man came out Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said if Jesus had to individually call Lazarus' name specifically, otherwise he would have emptied out in the entire graveyard of all of mankind. Could you imagine the scene as Lazarus walked out alive? It's a scene from The Walking Dead. It's like Michael Jackson's thriller type of feel. That's what I'm kind of seeing. He's got grave clothes on. He's prepared for burial. But in verse 44, Jesus says this, unwrap him and let him go. I wonder if that's not what Jesus says to us this Easter. Unwrap them from that addiction and that hopelessness. Unwrap her from that shame and guilt. Unwrap him from that fear, that worry, the anxiety. Unwrap him from those thoughts of, that are comp just those compulsions that are controlling them. Unwrap them and let them go. Jesus wants to set us free. Death can't hold what Jesus calls out. Jesus wants to call out the purposes and the plans that he created you for. And there's this moment. It's a beautiful moment. Right before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, before the tomb. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus starts crying. 
tears. It simply says Jesus wept. And this is a fascinating, profound verse. And probably one of the most profound verses in all of Scripture. It tells us so much about Jesus. Shows us his compassion and his care for us. That he feels our pain. That he understands our disappointments. That he knew that he was going to call Lazarus back to life. But still in the middle of the mess, he cares. He sees the end. And he sees eternal life. But he also understands that life right now. And in verse 36, it says the people who were watching this, it says this. They said this. See how much he loved him. God's unmatched love for me and you changes everything. Think about it. Jesus left the glory of heaven to come to earth. See how much he loves you. He went from being the maker of the universe to a helpless baby. Freedom Church, can you see how much he loves you? He lived a normal life for 30 years. He got sick. He got hurt. He faced everyday challenges. See how much he loves you. Even though he was perfect and never sinned, he came only to do God's will. He was betrayed, falsely accused, unjustly arrested, cruelly beaten, mercilessly mocked, and sentenced, sentenced to die a criminal's death on the cross. See how much he loves you. And as he hung on the cross, giving his life for you, he refused to lash out. He refused to come down. He refused to fight back. Even though with one word he could unleash 72,000 angels to come to his defense, he didn't see how much he loves you. And for three days, the maker and giver of life tasted death. Can you see how much he loves you? And on the third day, he defeated death once and for all. He rose from the dead. Now he reigns forever at the right hand of the Father. Unmatched in glory. Undefeated in victory. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Freedom Church, see how much he loves you.